0: Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. Keith, we do this win or lose. We do this in good times and bad times. And I'd like to call in sick today. I'll just leave it at
1: that. <laughs> a little little PTO for you, huh? I uh, don't disagree with you. I was going to say I'm disappointed. I'm not really disappointed. I I'm um, just frustrated. Uh, a game that Florida State should have won could have won and simply didn't not casting huge dispersions not blaming it on any one person or any one thing but uh it just again reiterates the broken record that you and i have become or at least i have become that uh, this is still a program in progress and this is a game they came up short with
0: yeah and big picture nobody wants to think big picture right now because the little picture is the way that game ended. Big picture, Florida state can beat anybody on its schedule in the case of last night should have beat NC state, Uh, but the reality is we're licking our wounds. And so the fact that you can compete with everybody now, which is different than where Florida state has been the last couple of years, that is a step forward that we're not going to appreciate right now. uh, Still makes it tough to swallow. I think if you, if you look at the wake forest game, Keith, I know I heard a lot of comments after the game, but those teams play 10 times. FSU would beat them eight times. I I don't buy that. FSU can beat Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a good football team, better football team than NC State. Wake might win six out of 10 in that if we played 10 times. But but the NC State team I saw last night, even before Leary went out, I, I knew what the stats were going in. I found it hard to believe that they were that dreadful offensively but they don't have anything on offense. And so I would say that that's an NC State team. I feel like FSU would beat eight out of 10 times and should have beat them last night and unfortunately didn't. So that that makes it really difficult to turn the page today and get ready for Clemson, but that's what this team
1: is going to have to do. And while I I probably 92.7% agree with you, the only thing I would point out that may come across as a disagreement is this is the best defensive team that Florida State has played. The, the best for a couple of reasons. Number one, they had ten starters returning, and number two, they are they have they have perfected, and I'm not been a big student of the three three five, but they have perfected not only executing the three three five, but particularly at halftime, going in and with that experience on the defensive side, they made whatever adjustments they made, and they completely took Florida State's advantages away on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the, the, the winners of this game are the defensive staff of NC State and the adjustments they made at halftime, and then Florida State's, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but just because of where FSU is, the inability to react to those halftime adjustments in the second half offensively, and you end up with a 19-17 game and a loss.
0: Yeah, and we will – and fans will critique certainly the second half and what happened to FSU. And in the same breath, won't take the time to point out that the same coaching staff schemed up a lot of successful plays in the first half and were able to right. get that lead. Right. That's, that's never the way we do this. But uh, that was an NC State team that was not giving up any yards on the ground. And Jordan Travis in one run about equaled what they're allowing. I think they're allowing 100 yards per game coming in, and he got 71 on one run. TreShaun Ward had 30-something on another. So two runs equaled that total. Florida State had, what, 200 yards rushing at halftime? Big number at halftime. I don't know what it was. Where Do you want to start at the end? Do you want to start with the second half and, and lack of adjustments? Uh,
1: let's, I will let's, start with, let's, let's start with the end. Okay. Forgive me for interrupting you. Um, you know, the 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 second interception, the last interception, uh, was the same route that Pittman had run and Travis had connected with him for the touchdown earlier in the ballgame. When I talk about adjustments, what happened on that particular route is on the touchdown reception, the defensive back was in trail and, and was playing behind. This time, and I think even Coach Norvell mentioned this in his postgame comments, he he jumped the route or overshot the route and rerouted Pittman. Now, I, by no means am I saying there was, a, there was no pass interference. I'm not saying it was a penalty. It was just a great play. But what happens is, and I, I use the term, I don't know what Coach Norvell and, and Coach Atkins' term is, but when that happens, you've got to make a sight adjustment, a sight adjustment from the standpoint that the quarterback cannot believe and trust that the receiver is going to get where he was. And so, therefore, you got to hold the ball for an extra count and let the receiver reroute himself, make that adjustment by sight, and throw the ball. If, if Travis holds the ball a half a count, sees that Pittman has inside position, and instead of working outside, can work just up the field or even towards the center of the field, that's an easy throw and catch. Now, I'd have to go back and do split screens and say, did Travis throw the ball before Pittman had a chance to reroute and all those other types of things? But we've got to remember that that Mike has only been here less than, what, six months, less than a year. And that would have been a great – adjustment and a touchdown and an FSU win, but that's not going to happen when you've got receivers and quarterbacks that haven't had an opportunity to work uh, quite a while together.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. You do have to tip your cap. That was a good play by the NC State defender. He did reroute Pittman. That's why it looked like that throw was so off. It really was thrown to a spot, excuse me, and Travis let it go right as Pittman was being rerouted. And we saw what the result was. There's there's a lot of plays we could nitpick, though. We always go to the ones that are the most obvious at the end. But you can go back early on. There were a lot of drop passes by Florida State receivers in this, in key in possession snaps, third and fourth down snaps. McClain uncharacteristic drops.
1: Uncharacteristic drops. I mean, this receiving core, and they made some great catches during the game Saturday night, but uncharacteristic drops. Let's
0: stick with the end for now, Keith. So I'm looking at the – The play-by-play sheet on it, Florida State had a first and ten at the NC State 24 with 51 seconds left, and they had all three timeouts. First down, they ran Toa Feely for two. I don't recall where the ball went. That might have been about placement for a potential field goal attempt if it came down to that. But in general, they were going to take a shot at the end zone at some point, but it feels like with 51 seconds and three timeouts – you probably had 6 or 7 plays left depending on how you manage that. I mean if there were some out routes and guys got out of bounds or you got another first down and the clock stopped. I guess this this is the hindsight game, Keith. So if Pittman catches that for a touchdown, we're not doing this, but is there any other way you would have preferred to see Florida State attack that last 51 seconds?
1: Well, in hindsight, of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: in in truthfulness, no. I mean, whether you take your shot on second down or third down, um, you were going to to try one shot and it was either going to be Pittman on a successful uh, do again, or you were going to try to get Johnny in a jump ball. Uh, You've always got the chance for the tight end on a a seam route as we've seen in the past. I mean, there are a lot of options there. And plus we don't know what show, what, you know, you'd have to ask Travis, why did he choose to go to Pittman? I think uh, coach Norvell indicated, or maybe you indicated before we started taping, that uh, someone said there were five options on that particular play, and so we can fault Jordan for picking that one. We can fault this. We can fault that. We can fault the other. But no, in answer to your question, I don't have a problem with with how it was done at the end. And I probably you and I may disagree a little bit on this. I don't I don't have a problem if they played for the field goal uh, because you know Fitz has been good. He's just not been good lately. Uh, And I think you've mentioned, others have said that, you know, in all the live drills last two or three weeks, he's made every kick during practice. Um, I know there are some that would not have wanted to rely on a kick, but I I don't have a problem if they even play for the kick because from a metric and a, and a statistical standpoint, uh, I think that would have been a good decision as well.
0: Yeah. So as to why Pittman, it was, it was single coverage. And they knew they had single coverage and they'd been successful earlier. So I, that's probably why Jordan made that choice. Yeah, and it, uh, they had the field goal from the standpoint that they were in range. It was going to be a 39-yard field goal from where they were. So at that point, they didn't have to play for the field goal. You still play to move the ball and let's get it into the end zone. But if you can't, you kick the field goal. And maybe Fitz makes it, maybe he doesn't. He certainly drilled the one at the end of the first half. And hopefully that goes a long way for him. Yeah, you're right. He's made every kick the last two weeks. It's different on game day. I know a lot of people want to turn the page. The coaching staff really believes that, not just believes, he is. He's the most talented, best kicker on the roster. And they're trying to get him through this because ultimately he's the guy of the kickers they have most apt to win a game or hit a big kick at some point. But you got to get right. past what he's battling right now. So that's what they're doing with him. And maybe that kick at the end of the first half will, will help. Um, the second half adjustments that NC state made or that Florida state didn't make Keith, I don't know. I'd have to go. I've not looked at the TV tape yet. I know that Treshawn Ward being out for much of the game uh, that certainly hurt Florida state. Cause he was a guy, I think that was poised to, uh, of the Florida state complement of running backs, probably the one that best fit going against that three, three, five. And he had a 30 yard run earlier and they didn't have him. I I was surprised, honestly, from the get go, I thought this was going to be a game where Florida State was going to have to throw to set up the run, but they did not attack it that way. So to me, maybe that was one of the things. I was a little surprised that we didn't see some more first down passes to get six, seven, eight yards, they did it a couple times to make it second and manageable. That was something I expected to see in that game. But really, they didn't do it. And to be fair, in the first half, even though they didn't do it, they still had a 17 three lead.
1: Well, they they were fortunate, particularly on the long Travis run. I mean, you got you got to get gash plays, and and um, you know Florida State actually leads the country, the country, all of FBS, in uh, plays from scrimmage of over twenty yards or twenty yards plus, uh, and they've added to that uh, even in the NC State game. Uh, you know. I, I've, I was never a play caller and, and getting into the rhythm of calling plays and setting things up. You know, I'm just an observer like most people. Uh, it depends on what the game plan was and that type of thing. What I do know is that the adjustments that NC State made, particularly in, in when I call it run blitz, there's all kinds of different names for it, but in that three three five. You know, on on running downs, they were bringing one, two, and sometimes three linebackers. They were they were committing six to stopping the run and or getting pressure in the case of the RPO or, or just a traditional pass, and they were very successful at it. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners are aware. I mean, they've got ten starters coming back. You know, this is a very experienced staff. The three three five, although not terribly unusual is a little different than the 3-4 and the 4-3. Duh. Um, they just they just executed their halftime adjustments in a way that Florida State couldn't catch up with. To me, that was the ball game in the second half. FSU's inability to see what NC State had adjusted to defensively and find a new way to attack it.
0: Yeah, and you can't put this one on the defense uh, at all for Florida State. I know that, yes, there was a 17-3 lead, but Uh, I guess the one the one area you would question because it's happened two weeks in a row is the first drive of the third quarter last week wake went right down the field NC State did the same thing in this game and that's a little disconcerting that you come out of halftime like that it was different circumstances I mean last week FSU was down 21-7 should be fighting for their lives here if you want to argue were they a little complacent because they were up 17-3 either way it was too easy
1: and immediately uh, the other team had seven points on the board. You know, and again, that, that goes back to more above the shoulders than anything from an execution, a technical, or, or adjustment standpoint. You know, getting yourself in a position, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, to come out on that opening kickoff and and force the offense off of the field, that's a mental thing. That's a, And that's an experience thing. And that's a we-have-to-do-it type of thing. Uh, you can't coach it. You can't replicate it in practice. You have to execute it during a game, and and you're exactly right. Florida State has failed that many tests, uh, that small test, sample size, uh, two weeks in a row. You got to
0: tip your cap to NC State's kicker. He's the best kicker they've ever had, and he was nails on Saturday night, including that 53-yarder. It was the second-to-last field goal he hit, so it wasn't the one that gave NC State ultimately the lead, but... It was a field goal in a game you lost by two. But after the master mono punt, we'll come back to that, Keith. The defense, the drive for NC State went three plays and negative 23 yards, and they got three points out of it. When have you ever heard of a football team having a drive that goes three plays minus 23 yards and they still get points, but that's what happened. And ultimately, those three points, and it was a 53-yard field goal, tip your cap to NC State.
1: Those matter. They all count in the end. And by the way, it would not have been good from 57 or 63. It would have been good maybe from 54 because it went right over the bar.
0: I I always stand right behind the goalpost, Keith, and I was right there. And uh, about halfway through, I was like, well, he's got enough. It's coming through, and it just came right over the crossbar. You're right.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the thing, though, Tommy. Uh, I cannot recall the last time that I have seen a punter punt the ball past the line of scrimmage. That particular penalty, kicking the ball, is usually reserved when when an offensive player fumbles the ball and one of his teammates can't get to it, so they kick it out of bounds to keep the defense from recovering it. And, again, it's a single play. And, and Coach Norvell, this entire staff, this entire team, would tell you that no single play is the difference in any ballgame. But that particular play carries such a huge penalty, no pun intended, because – it's a loss of down. Well, if your punter is kicking the ball and your punter is past the line of scrimmage, that meant it was fourth down. So you're not only are you not getting the ball advanced, you get a five-yard penalty from the previous spot and the offense has to go off the field and the defense has to come on because it reverts to NC State. The fact that Florida State's defense could come in, and as you are pointing out, create 20-something yards and negative yardage. Now, some of that was penalties, I understand. And force a 53-yard field goal means that that was a huge, huge series for Florida State's defense. And, and it, it, just the combination of things made it such that it becomes the difference in the ballgame.
0: Let's be fair here. I, I, I know coaches prepare for everything. I don't know how you replicate that. I don't think that's on coaching. I don't really think it's. I mean, it's on Alex. Technically, it just happened. It's just bizarre. I, I don't know how you could have prepared. Now, I guess you certainly would. The, the the one of the adding insult to injury things, Keith, is that he actually probably could have run for the first down on that play.
1: Most definitely. Most but definitely. but
0: even and I was looking up the yardage. I forget how far they had a little ways to go. The ball was at the eighteen, which is where NC State got it back, plus the five yard penalty, so the thirteen. Even if he runs for the first down and doesn't get it, you're, you're giving him the ball at the 28-yard line, though, instead of the 13, you know what I mean? Because I, I think sure. it was 10 or 15 to go. Uh, it just, it's just unfortunate. I don't know how you – I mean, now Alex will always know, and even that, in the moment, he might have thought he was behind the line of scrimmage. He moved away, took a couple steps, and punted. It just turned out he was a step past the line.
1: And, and again, I haven't seen any interviews with him. Um, I'm sure everybody will second-guess. But number one, why did he pull the ball down? Did he think it was going to be blocked? NC State did have a defender coming free. On the replay, And hindsight's always perfect, as we all know. Didn't appear to me that the defender could have gotten to him and blocked the punt. But let's say and assume that he believed that it would have been blocked. So he pulls it down and moves. Then becomes the question, is he looking at the ball? Is he looking upfield? You know, there's a lot of things. That's, that's no man's land for a punter, particularly an Australian punter who hasn't even played a lot of American football. He, he never had that happen when he was seven years old, Tommy, because he never played that game when he was seven. And so it, it's just a bad combination of things. And that's why I say, you know, I, I, I can't even be disappointed. This is a game Florida State should have won. A lot of lessons I think they'll learn, um, it's just frustrating. Uh, It's just frustrating, but welcome, welcome to college football in 2022.
0: I just looked it up. It was fourth and 17, Keith. So while it looked wide open, he's not as quick as the defenders and he might've gotten 15, but if he gets 15, NC state takes over at the 33. And the other thing, and I don't know if they showed this on TV, Keith, it was a 66 yard punt that got negated. He completed. Completely flipped the field the other way the ball was inside the 20 it was the best pun he's hit probably this year on that one so i mean it it, it did it did show up on television it did show up on television yes yeah um well let's just just talk well I, i i can pull this out and i'll pull out my notes keith so we focus on a couple of key plays the master mono punt the interception at the end uh let's just go back to the start so the early in the game Florida State's driving at the NC State 23. They take a shot to the end zone. Malik McLean drops it. It's a touchdown. He drops it. You get to fourth and three at the 23 to start the second quarter. Now, here's where if you if you had NC State's kicker and that kind of confidence, you might take the three instead of uh, the 40 yard field goal attempt. They go for it fourth and three. Johnny Wilson drops it. That's two balls in a row you drop. That one cost you a touchdown. The other the, the next one cost you possession. Uh, there was a play later in the game where Johnny Wilson dropped another one on a on a possession snap. There was a play where Pokey Wilson dropped one.
1: Mark yeah, Easton there were at least Douglas- four snaps, uh, four drops, four clear drops, which was very uncharacteristic for this group over the last few weeks.
0: Marquise and Douglas dropped one on a ball where it was going to be a tough play and the defender deserves some credit because he arrived right at the same time and might be the reason for the drop. Um, but But those are the kind of plays when you look back Florida State, has their receiving core has been very solid this year. Some metrics have been the top receiving core in the country, which nobody would have predicted that. But when you look at the third down conversions and how Florida State struggled against NC State, really the plays were there. They just didn't execute. I mean, at least to your point, four or five possession snaps, they dropped the football.
1: And not only that, flip it on the other side, uh, FSU held NC State zero for six on third downs in the first half. And it was almost a complete opposite in the second half.
0: Yeah, it was. uh, Well, I was we haven't talked about this, but. uh, I knew that Devin Leary's numbers were down and that he didn't have the same weapons offensively, but that and Devin, I, I wish him well, and I don't know how significant the injury is. But that was a very pedestrian NC State offense. It was it was less than what I even thought it was, and maybe I should turn that the other way and give credit to FSU's defense. Tatum Bethune played one heck of a football game in terms of getting downhill and a lot of tackles for loss. Jared Verse played a great football game, even though he was held pretty egregiously, in my opinion, on about every play. Keith, and I agree. I don't want to get into the officials and and Florida State's uh, old friend who was the the referee. The white your, your, favorite, that?
1: your favorite official, your favorite official.
0: I know full and well, Keith. Uh, we've talked about this before. When when Florida State is playing at the elite level, when you're Alabama, when you're Ohio State, when you're what Clemson's been, you are good enough to overcome bad calls. When you are not at that level, those bad calls keep you up at night. Yep. I will just say that if you had an ISO on Jared Verse. He was held every play of that football game. And I know there's holding on every play. The only time they called holding was on a drive that had already stalled and was going backwards when they wound up kicking that 53-yard field goal. They called it twice in a row as if, well, we'll just say we we flag them twice. But what about we'll the make other 64 up for it. offensive snaps? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But, again, Tommy, you know, big picture. Um, Sean goes out. You drop the, the ball four or five times. Travis makes a, an uncharacteristic decision on the first interception. Uh, you see lack of uh, time together on the second interception. You see just a, just a mistake by Alex on the punt with, with egregious penalties associated with it. Against the 14th ranked team in the country in a hostile environment at night, Carter Finley's is not a fun place to play. And you lose by two. Are you willing to just throw in the towel and say, the heck with it, we can't play ball? Are you willing to learn from your mistakes, correct the errors, build upon the things you did right, and get ready? You beat Clemson, and it doesn't take away the sting from Wake or the Wolfpack, but you, you, you put yourself right back in a position uh, where you're back on track in terms of your building your program. So that's the decision that this team has to make this week.
0: Yeah, and and it starts today. I mean, Florida State, the 24-hour rule, they get back on the field on Sundays, and they got to flush it. Win or lose, you got to flush it and get ready. A couple other things here, Keith. I'm just looking at some of my notes. Defensively, I mentioned Tatum Bethune. I thought Patrick Payton continues to play really well at the end spot. I think he's going to be the next star for FSU there after Verse moves on, which unfortunately might be after this year. I thought Leonard Warner gave them some good snaps there. He had a series where he forced a tackle for loss on first down and on third down, uh, forced a sack. Uh, So there were some guys that played well, and we didn't point out that Robert Cooper missed most of that football game. So now you're without Cooper and Lovett, and the younger defensive tackles are having to play a lot. And I think Jared Jackson went out later in the game, too. So you're really playing. Farmer is playing well. Peyton is playing well on the
1: end. There, Ray, there are Ray some bright spots. Plays, there. Ray had a couple of plays. I mean, it you got talent, and the only way you get experience is by playing them. And when you're playing youth, you're going to have some mistakes. Yep.
0: Well, you you can't again, we can do this. Let let's go ahead and say, hey, Florida State's going to go to NC State, and they're not going to have either of their they're starting defensive tackles. Both Cooper and Lovett are going to be out and Trayshawn Ward's going to be hurt too. And you're going to lose by two. Well, if you don't know the way the game played out, you think, well, they, they played pretty well in light of circumstances, right? Correct. You you can paint it the other way and say, well, NC state beat you with a backup quarterback, which by the way, to be fair, uh, remember that Florida state won a game on the road this year with a backup quarterback. Louisville didn't have Malik Cunningham yesterday. They still beat Virginia. I mean, Backup quarterbacks can play too, or win some games. But that that quarterback for NC State didn't win the football game. He he did nothing. They kicked a couple field goals. Florida State. I it it occurred to me uh, late in the third quarter. I was I just kept looking at it as NC State's coming back, Keith, and I really thought if Florida State scores one more time, they will win the football game, because NC State going three at a time was not going to have enough at bats unfortunately, Florida State didn't score one more time. When it was late in the third, I thought, well, even as bad as this is, they're going to get one more. They'll get it to 24, and that'll be enough to win the game, which it would have been, but they never got there.
1: Well, the, the other asp- another aspect of it is, is penalties. And we talked about Flanagan and his staff um, of officials, but you know FSU had some, some pre-snap stuff happen. Particularly in the second half, I think they ended up with double digit penalties. Correct me on that if I'm wrong if you're looking at it. Uh, and that's the second week in a row that penalties have been uh, an issue for this squad. Uh, you know you you can control most of that. You saw Dylan, Dylan Gimmons with a just a you know, you just can't do what he did and got flagged for it. Um, you know those are to, those are mental, those are concentration. those are in the moment things. That you you just have to stay focused. It's a sixty-minute ball game. You can't let down five seconds of that sixty minutes. Very tough to do, but the great teams find the way to do it.
0: And that has shown up lately. And last week it was classified as pressing. It might go in the same bucket here. Some would put it in the Jeff Flanagan referee bucket. I'm not sure, but either way, you can't. You got to control those things. What what did you think about the? Uh, the unsportsmanlike for tackling Devin Leary
1: too hard? Well, the problem is the rule, and I'm not saying the rule's bad. I'm just saying it's a problem. You know, if I rush the passer and I put my hand up and he throws the ball and and trying to bat the ball down, if I hit the quarterback in the head with my hand, that's unsportsmanlike. And he was, Leary was hit above the shoulders. Doesn't have to, it wasn't targeting. But it was unsportsmanlike. And and I don't like the rule, but it is the rule, so you gotta play within it.
0: Well, that's no fun if you're gonna take that stance, Keith. (laughs)
1: I'm just saying, Tommy. You know, it's the same argument. It's the same argument I got in with one of our former head coaches when he basically told me I was an idiot because I knew the rule.
0: You want to share any further details or just leave it? I'd like to
1: leave it at that. He lost yesterday too, so it doesn't matter. Gotcha
0: uh let's um uh, you know we talked about the special teams mishap or whatever you want to call that with alex let's give a little credit here on the play before halftime as we oh my goodness wrap, wrap things up keith i was standing on the sideline i wasn't watching the punt i was watching micah Pittman, and i was literally the same yard line that pokey caught the ball in a bounce I'm watching Pittman, and all of a sudden, here comes Pokey Wilson. It bounces once. He just grabs it and turns around. I'm like, what in the world just happened? And I see him run 40 yards. That was a heck of a design on a play. And, and if you watched, I'm sure you saw it. I mean, he wasn't even lined up on the gunner. He's a little inside, but he, he faded outside with the gunner, and then he just kept running down the sideline, and Pittman had a heck of a fake. I mean, that was film study. And that was a great play.
1: I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen it in youth. I've never seen it in high school. I've never seen it in college. I've never seen it in the NFL. That's the first time I've ever seen anything like that executed. I thought Pittman had caught the ball and threw it back to Pokey, you know, because the TV didn't follow it enough, but to to their credit, they did have the alt 22 on the uh, right-hand side end zone. And that camera operator was able to keep Pokey in the, in the uh, field of view so you were able to see what happened and and it was an amazing play I, first of all to just think of it and then second of all to execute it um, it was impressive wasn't enough but it was impressive it, it almost won him
0: the football game because it got him yep. three points before halftime yeah I thought correct. I thought in the moment it was just fluke I thought somehow Pokey was maybe on the gunner and that's where he wound up and the ball happened to bounce there. But then in looking back, it clearly was designed. It was a film study thing. It was a it was a, it was a great play. I don't know what else we have to add on this other than that's a game Florida State should have won, and now they're gonna to have to come back. We're gonna add it to the annals of of trips to Carter Finley, Keith. As it was unfolding, it really felt a lot like the 2012 game, which is a game Florida State led 16 zip at half and lost 17-16 to Mike Glennon. Uh, similarity was that the offense didn't do anything in the second half but the difference is in that game Mike Glennon and NC State actually did have to convert several fourth downs and and do all that they, they had to do a little bit more offensively but then I thought about it and I said well the way the game ended it also was a little like the 2010 game which was the game where that you and I called where Ponder and, and Ty Jones bumped into each other. Florida State had the ball the last five minutes of the game. They're driving the length of the field. They're going to go in for an easy touchdown to win it. Not that Florida State was at the five. So, so that game was a combination of the 10 and 12 defeats in Raleigh, and they're just it's just another one I want to burn the tape.
1: The the only redeeming thing, and therefore is also even more disheartening, is many of those prior problems that occurred on a Thursday night. And now we can add Saturday night to that same quandary. Oh.
0: I uh, will finish up on this Keith. Um, I don't know that it came across on TV, they probably showed it but they had a delay getting the lights on as night yep. arrived. Yep. Well, you know at NC State that the radio booth is basically on the roof. And directly behind the visitors radio booth is uh, every plug in the stadium that controls the lights. And so while that was going on, if you open that door, you've never seen so much sweat on the foreheads of the nine individuals who were trying to figure out why the lights (laughs) wouldn't go on. I mean, it it looked like the old school phone operator. Let me unplug here and plug here. Let me do this. What am I doing?
1: (laughs) Well, the the television uh, said that it was only a seven minute delay. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's what was projected uh, by the television. But they did have uh, – they cut into the game prior and did show the, the standards of the lights with the lights off. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, now we're looking at an hour or two. So, the fact that they came back on quickly, I guess they were able to find the right, uh, the right plug at the right time. It may have, it
0: may have resulted in only a seven-minute delay. They were out much longer than that. So, I think the seven minutes is they, – they were able to collapse the pregame to the absolute mandated pregame warm-up. And ultimately, it only cost them seven minutes. But uh, there was a good hour they were trying to get those things on, and it didn't become evident. William Floyd, I think, is the one who pointed it out. I I had noticed, but as as we move from daylight into dusk, all of a sudden you look out there and you're like, you
1: know, we kind of need some lights on right now if we're going to do something.
0: Well, Tommy, before
1: before we end, let's go on a positive note. Let's take time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. You mentioned him earlier. I'm going to hide him. highlighting, but uh, Tatum Bethune had 14 stops in this ball game, seven tackles, uh, solo, seven assists. He also had two and a half tackles for a loss, and he was, he was significant, and he was noticeable, significant and noticeable. He had a great performance. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank has been consistently named one of the best banks to work for by the American Bankers Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Yep, they'll call you by name. Smiling Faces, Always with a big smile. Coffee, water, a cookie when you walk in the door. That's also a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC. Offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland, or you can visit them on the web at TryMyBank.com. Tatum had a he had a great game. Uh, I know he would have liked to have made one more big play at somewhere along the line, um, but he was outstanding. Outstanding. All right, Keith, we're out of time. We'll do this again
0: on Wednesday, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry, it's a little later than usual. That's on me. It was a late night. I wanted some sleep. I need all the help I can get. So we push back a few hours. Keith, I'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good, Tommy. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.